now at the Politocrat Daily Podcast online store, you can get the brand new Spring Spectacular Collection, designed by yours truly, Omar Moore. If you like t-shirts, sweatshirts, mouse pads, or pens, or anything else that you might use or wear on a pretty much daily basis, please come on down to the Politocrat Daily Podcast online store at the-politocrat.myshopify.com or you can go to the podcast website at thepolitocrat.com and scroll down on the homepage to find the online store. I'm firmly, firmly confident that you'll like what you see. So, please, take a look and buy some of these wonderful items you will see. Thank you very much for your support. Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Wednesday, February the 3rd, 2021. On this edition of The Politocrat, the system and what we still have not learned to understand about it. At least, what I think the conversation really should be about. It's not individuals. It is a system that produces them. And that is the focus of this edition of The Politocrat. Coming up, Next. Welcome back. Somebody had on Twitter said recently, or tweeted recently, that Marjorie Taylor Greene, and you know who that is, those of you who listen, and don't want to give her so much airtime. She has plenty of it with the kinds of filth and hatreds and other bile and very dangerous things that she has said and done. As you know, um, I spoke about her last week in passing, but people, uh, one person, at least I saw on Twitter, uh, in the last day or two had tweeted out, well, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a national security threat. Um, Now, that's not entirely something I disagree with, I think all of these Republicans are, and obviously anybody who is in Congress who has a gun brings guns to their workplace and refuses to be searched at a metal detector is obviously a danger and a threat of some kind, an immediate threat to the very place that he, she, or they brings that gun. So that's without question in that way of thinking, she's definitely a threat. Is she a threat to national security? Well, given what happened exactly four Wednesdays ago today, yeah, you could make that case. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that, given the fact that we, it's very clear now, um, have seen that Republicans, Republican groups inside and outside played a role in this terrorist attack that happened on January 6th, exactly four Wednesdays ago today. So 
you know, that's very clear. You know, you have Republican freshmen, congresswomen tweeting out the location of Speaker Pelosi's office. I mean, that's, you know, that, that, that's something that's out there. And, you know, Ginny Thomas um, financing a lot of uh, some of this operation. I told you that this was going to come out and I told you that this was a systemic terrorist attack. And I want to get to that first word in just a few moments. I also want to get to say this to you before I forget it. Liable am I? Because sometimes I don't remember what I said 10 minutes ago, which means, ooh dear, short-term memory, you know. (laughs) And I'm laughing at it, you know. As you get older, these things start to creep up on you. And uh, anyway, I don't want to get too much into that. But, you know, you know, every... Maybe it's COVID brain or maybe it's just, I'm getting older. But whatever it is, I am going to say this now before I forget. And the thing I'm going to say to you before I forget is that Cori Bush, the congresswoman out of Missouri, St. Louis 1st District there, Missouri 1st District, removed, you know, moved their office from next to Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I, quite frankly, I think, yeah, that's a good thing, but because Marjorie Taylor Greene and her staff were harassing and threatening. I mean, harassing and abusing Congresswoman Bush and her staff. By the way, Speaker Pelosi should have taken a much more proactive role on this to the extent that we know that she did or did not because it's not been really, best of my knowledge, made so much public. But I think that Speaker Pelosi, and this is something that Joe Madison of the Black Eagle has said as well um, on his show, which you can hear on Sirius XM, on Urban View Channel 126, if you get Sirius XM. He said this, and and I'm saying this as well, because I think this should have happened, even though I didn't mention it before. Speaker Pelosi should have moved Marjorie Taylor Greene and should not have okayed the move of Congresswoman Bush. Congresswoman Bush is not the issue here. The issue and the threat and the national security threat, as some on Twitter have tweeted, is not Congresswoman Bush. It is Marjorie Taylor Greene. And Marjorie Taylor Greene should not be on any of these committees. I understand there's a vote going on. They may have had the vote already. I honestly have not seen the vote. If it's happened, if it, if it hasn't happened, it, whatever the outcome is, I will get to it, though, um, on a subsequent episode. Um, but at the time I'm doing this, I don't know if there's been a vote yet or not. But the point is, is that, yeah, I would agree. Marjorie Taylor Greene opposes some kind of threat. However, however... The real threat is the system. And this is something that I tweeted at at the popcorn R-E-E-L yesterday, yesterday evening. Marjorie Taylor Greene, the national security threat, the system is. The system that produced her is. I mean, look at what the system has done in the United States. The system that preserves, protects, and defends the uber-rich and preserves, protects, defends, weaponizes, and authorizes and is a system of whiteness and white dominance and control and oppression of black and brown people. A system 
that is patriarchy that controls and oppresses women of all racial backgrounds. That's the national security threat. It's the system, right? The system that has more black and brown people and native people in the United States and in other countries dying at record numbers from coronavirus, from COVID-19. That's the system. That's, that's what the national security threat is. The racism, the racial discrimination, the racism and the anti-black racism. That's the national security threat. That's part of a system. That is not one person. It's certainly not the guy that just boot, got booted out of the White House. It's certainly not. He is not the only issue. He is a symptom and part and parcel of the larger issue, which is the system itself that produces this, that allows this to happen, allows a Marjorie Taylor Greene in the first place. And I don't care if she's female. I don't care if she's non-gender binary. I don't care if she's male. I don't care what the person is. It is their ideology and their mission. And if their ideology and their mission and their goal is to oppress people, and, and especially on top of that, black folk and black women, since I mentioned Congresswoman Bush, and the violence that Marjorie Taylor Greene espouses and the hatreds, then, you know, that we have to be looking at the system itself. I mean, you're, you're tweeting about Marjorie Taylor Greene, you're tweeting about, you know, Lauren Palin out there in Colorado, and, Sarah, you know. But, yes, of course, they are a problem. But the system that produced them is the issue and the real problem. And that's where we have to start not only talking, but strategizing. I mean, some are saying dismantle the system, get rid of it. I don't disagree with that at all. Because as long as the system is in place that brings you the Trumps and the McConnells and the Taylor Greens and everybody else, whatever vegetable, your greens, your, your, your carrots, your whatever, whatever, that's what the system is bringing to you. And it is that system that needs to really go, quite frankly. Yeah, tear down the statues. That's the problem, is the blooming statues. The ones with the uh, enslavement masters, in quotes. I put the word mastering. Because you, you didn't master my ancestors. Oh, you did not master a thing. What you did was murder people. That's what you are a merchant of, death. And that is not some kind of euphemism for you. That's the least of it. It's a whole system. It's the same system that brought us enslavement and colonization. It's all part and parcel of the same thing. And then it brought you this terrorist attack. On January 6, 2021. That is what we should be dealing with. 
a system that even allowed this in the first place, a system that allows people to bring guns into state legislative chambers while politicians are doing their business as legislators. A system that allows for open carry. Oh, that's okay. Bring your AK or whatever it is. Bring it into the chamber. I mean, we've got to check you. But you can bring it in. Never mind the fact that you've actually got live rounds of ammunition in there. Never mind the fact that you had a kidnapping plot against the governor of Michigan. Never mind the fact that that plot also involved murdering her, executing her. Never mind the fact that on January 6th, four Wednesdays ago today, yeah, people with zip ties, pipe bombs and guns and knives and these guns all over the place, knives all over the army fatigues and people scaling the sides of the Senate wall as if they're blooming monkeys or whoever the hell they think they are. You know, five people murdered, including off, uh, U.S. Capitol Officer Brian Sicknick. May he rest in power, rest in peace eternally. A solemn and respectful memorial tribute to him today. He was lying in repose and in honor in the U.S. Capitol Rotunda last night and today and a service for him. Speaker Pelosi, Majority Leader Schumer, uh, among those there. As his uh, remains or cremains, as uh, they've been described, um, were there um, as part of this lying in repose, or I should say lying in honor. His repose actually is the full body and, and, and uh, Officer Brian Sicknick, uh, you know, his family had him uh, cremated. And I believe that, may, and I think, I'm not sure, and someone can correct me, but I don't know. Um, he may well, and I don't know if this is the Jewish tradition, I'm not sure if uh, Officer Sicknick was Jewish. And I'm only mentioning um, background here for, for my own uh, exploration and open wondering, because I don't know. And, and um, whether or not in the Jewish tradition um, a body has to be cremated. I know that um, in in some of the Jewish tradition or all the Jewish tradition, um, a body has to be buried um, within a perhaps, what, 24 to 48 hours. Um, and I'm not 100% sure, so maybe I shouldn't be speaking of things that I'm not sure of. I don't think that's a good idea. But if you are Jewish um, and you're listening to this, just for the sake of um, the tradition, and I really should learn more about it uh, in terms of burial and, and what the protocols are in the faith, in Judaism. Um, I believe it's 24 hours to 48 hours. And I believe that cremation is also part of that as well. But again, uh, I, I really would like to be corrected if uh, I'm getting any of that wrong. And you can send a drop a line at uh, this following email address, politocratpod at gmail.com, politocratpod at gmail.com. And, and, and correct me, please, or just let me know um, what that is, you know, because that's important. But the point is here, 
um, is that he was given a very respectful tribute, you know, and he was part of the five people who were killed and there was a sixth person um, as well. That person took their own life. He was also, the person who took his life was also a United States Capitol Police officer. Six people dead. And the very people who did this were encouraged and had connections to and were encouraged by Republican Congress people, Republican politicians. I mean, this is beginning to come out now. And I told you, I told you, this was going to be the case. I don't want a medal. I don't want a cookie. But I am saying to you that I did say that this would be the case. And I know I'm far from the only one. It's the system that allows such laxness, that allows white violence to permeate and go unpunished for the most part. Particularly and especially when that white violence is targeted at black people, at brown people, at native peoples. When that white violence is targeted at black people, it is rarely punished at all, at all. And that is the system that needs to go and go forthwith. We can get rid of Marjorie Taylor Greene from Congress all we want. But if you don't get rid of the system that produced her, quite frankly, it's all a waste of time. In this Black History Month, or I should say Black History Year, that's what I like to call it, beginning just a, a month late. I mean, every day is Black History Year. Every day is Black History Month. And that's the, that's the truth. And if you go to the Politocrat Daily Podcast online store, you will find the Spring Spectacular Collection, which I have now added some new items to. So please, 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 dear listener, avail yourself now. Go to the-politocrat.myshopify.com right now. New t-shirts and other items. One of the new t-shirts is women's rights are human rights. And I know you know that phrase because you've heard it spoken by a certain someone in the past. But I think you'll love these t-shirts. Colorful, vibrant, pink, and black with pink as well. You're going to love these. So take a look at these and other items. Magnetic calendars and pens. You'll like what you see. So please, visit the-politocrat.myshopify.com right now. And please, buy what you see. Thank you very much for your support.
book recommendation. As I do on this podcast because it is Black History Year. James Baldwin, No Name in the Street. That's a book I recommend. There's many James Baldwin books I highly recommend. That is one of them. Of course, they're the more obvious ones. The Fire Next Time, Notes of a Native Son. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Go Tell It on the Mountain. If Beale Street Could Talk, you get the idea. But No Name in the Street is one I like as well. And I like it because there's a quote from there that always sticks with me. And I'm trying to get the quote right here as much as I can. People pay for what they do. But even more so for um, something or other. And then it's, but they pay very simply for the lives that they lead. And I think that's so true. And I know I botched the quote because I didn't get the middle part correct. So I've done the Honorable James Baldwin a tremendous disservice, and I apologize to the late, great Mr. Baldwin for not getting that quote correct. Um, You know, I'm really sorry that I did. And, you know, I do, but I do recommend that book because you'll find that quote in there and a lot of other great things. No name in the street. Um, And by the way, that quote, if I, I may say, if I may be so bold, appears uh, in the Spike Lee film Bamboozled, which was released in 2000. Can't believe that's been over 20 years ago. Good grief. I saw, by the way, I saw that film in the theater five different times. <laughs> and it's not one of those happy films to sit through, but it's a really important film. And I do recommend that you watch it. Very important. Dealing since I've been speaking uh, in this episode about the system. That film tackles the system as well. And representation in it, particularly black representation and how black people are depicted in it, namely Hollywood, namely television. Very important movie. And I really hope that you do see that. Please, bamboozled. Great, great film. It's not a happy, clappy film. If you're looking for happy, clappy, you're not going to find it with Bamboozle, but it's a film that's tremendously important and very powerful uh, moments as well. But in that film, that quote that I just stumbled over is, is mentioned during that film. Anyway, James Baldwin, No Name in the Street, my book recommendation for this particular episode of the Politocrat Daily Podcast. For political reasons, you're talking about the use of criminal charges in order to uh, uh, stifle leadership, in order to isolate uh, leaders and, and activists from the community. There is that kind of political prisoner. We know about Bobby Seale and Erica Huggins and Huey Newton and Leotis Johnson, and I could go on and on and on. The list is endless. The Soledad Brothers. Uh, We know that uh, they were uh, arrested on criminal charges as an excuse for removing them from the community, removing them from their revolutionary uh, work and activity among the people. But over the last few years, there has come into being another kind of political prisoner. 
And I'm talking about all of the sisters and brothers who are victims of the system, who are easy targets of the police, who get railroaded through the courts into prison, often for no reason at all, uh, who are there only because they're black. And I think uh, a brother during the Attica Rebellion sort of uh, expressed this whole thing when uh, he was asked by a reporter um, what he was charged with. And he said he was charged with being black. That's why he was there. Who was that? Who was that you just heard? As always, as I have done in the first two days of this month of February in 2021, I have played some audio and I have asked you to guess or answer correctly who it was you heard. Well, I'm going to give you the answers to the first two. (laughs) The first one on February 1st was Fannie Lou Hamer, one of the more iconic quotes and she had many great things to say and she was a tremendous activist and she pushed the Democratic Party uh, and others uh, her great activism in the 1960s she was a very important figure who I don't think gets the kind of credit that she should Fannie Lou Hamer um, one of the great Americans and one of the great people in general um to ever come across the stage um, of activism and liberation for black people. And this is undeniable. She was a tremendous figure of influence and leadership. So the voice you heard on February 1st on the podcast episode from that day was of Fannie Lou Hamer. And yesterday's voice you heard was that of Malcolm X. I think that many of you probably guessed that correctly. Malcolm X, of course, a freedom fighter in the struggle for black liberation everywhere around the world. You know about him from all of the chapters of his life. And including the Nation of Islam chapter of his life and the Pan-Africanist chapter of his life after that. Malcolm X, a.k.a. El-Hajj Malik El-Shabazz. His voice is the voice you heard on yesterday's episode. In fact, later on this particular month, a horrible commemoration, of course, Um, You know very well, those of you who are students of history, that on the 21st of February, 1965, Malcolm X was assassinated at the Audubon Ballroom in Upper Manhattan. The question is now, the voice you just heard, whose voice is that? Drop me a line at Twitter, on Twitter, at the popcorn R-E-E-L, or 
at the email address politocratpod at gmail.com. That's politocratpod at gmail.com. Welcome back. Here's what we need to do now. We need to start preparing. And I said this for months. We have to have an agenda. And I've said this over and over, but I want to say it one more time. What are the issues that matter most to you? Is it women's reproductive rights and the ability to have the right to choose? Is it the ability for you as a woman to have your own choice of what you do of your body reproductively or in any way your own physical autonomy and intellectual autonomy safeguarded and protected are those the issues or is one of the issues for you immigration now of course it's not just one issue but uh, I mean these are all issues I'm mentioning that are extremely important and urgent immigration dealing with that healthcare dealing with that medicare for all where is that going where's the demand and the pressure outside of the usual uh activist groups which good i love that they're doing this but what about everybody else what are you doing what things are you thinking about medicare for all because that's something that i think is immensely important we're seeing what's going on with the vaccines and how that's happening or not happening particularly if you are not one of the richest people in the you know in that richest 1 or 2% there is going to be a conversation had on that and it will be had on this podcast in the very 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 near future among other things regarding coronavirus but what is the issue for you is it criminal justice reform is it you know dealing with the death penalty and trying to eradicate it. I know President Biden um, is against the death penalty. Is it, you know, dealing with what's going on with education? The uh, nominee for education secretary uh, is or has been testifying today in this confirmation hearing, Dr. Miguel Cardona. You know, so all of these issues, I've just mentioned a fraction of them. Climate is a huge, is enormous, enormous climate and the environment and jobs and the economy. You know, all of these things. What are the top three for you? We, you need, we need to have a plan about these issues and having them not only pushed for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, but pushed locally, pushed locally and in your state. This is the time to be doing this. You've got, an, you've got a Senate trial next week of the previous occupant, Individual One, who's been in, who was impeached twice in the space of 13 months. You have that going on next week. What are you doing? Have you called your senators? Have you, reported, have you called Republican senators? Again, as I said before, do not let the news tell you that, oh, it's all over. Do not let quotes coming from staffers or staff aides or from Mitch McConnell or anybody else 
Well, they're doing this. They're doing that. The New York Times or the Politico or whomever. Well, they're doing this. What are you doing? I mean, quotes are there for a reason. Sometimes these quotes are there to influence the public ether. In fact, a lot of times they are. And, and you know, three quarters of the time, the stuff's quoted out of context. Well, you know, maybe it's more, maybe it's less than that. I don't know. I think it's, it's, come on. We all know that newspapers take things out of context. They do. They take things out of context. And there's sound bites, and I can't stand sound bites. Oh, gosh. Even though, look, I've played portions of people speaking, but I like to think that I've played them in context. And if I haven't, I try to explain what the context is. But what I'm saying is, is that we have to be proactive. We have to be proactive with the agenda and it's got to be targeted at, obviously, at the president and the vice president. But more importantly, even than that, which I need to say more often here, it's got to be targeted locally. What are your local officials doing about any of these issues? What is your mayor doing? What is your assembly person doing? What is your city, what is your city council person doing? You want to, since I'm talking about systems, what, what are these players in the system doing? You need to get on them and you need to get on your governor. I don't care what party affiliation that governor has. It's about you and the issues you want to see something moved on and acted upon. That is what counts here. Just because that government official may have the same ideology in terms of, well, the same party affiliation that you vote for or have, that doesn't mean that you take a day off and go home and say, oh, well, my person's in there. I don't have to do anything. Oh, you do. And it doesn't have to be an hour and days and days. It can be five minutes, a phone call, email, tweets, but preferably phone calls and emails, especially phone calls, because they can hear you. They can hear how you feel about these issues. You have an incredible amount of power. The media is not going to tell you this. The corporate news media definitely is not going to tell you about your power as a person. Now, although I think the corporate news media did a very good job last year about emphasizing the importance of voting and voting early. And of course, I did some of that too here on this podcast. And I will give the credit. There were some very strong and aggressive campaigns by parts of the corporate news media to educate people and tell them you've got to get out there and vote early. Please plan your vote. I'll never forget it. As much as I criticize them, MSNBC and NBC News, tremendously active and aggressive around that. That was a really good campaign and I know it worked. And also to the grassroots organizations, black women's organizations, Black Voters Matter, who put this stuff out on blast, Chuck Rocha, who I've had on this program before, uh, really, uh, really great to have him on um, several months back. And all the efforts that he undertook with his Nuestro pack, uh, getting out Latino voters and getting out the Latinx community at large. And there are many different facets of that community. It's not just one. It's not a monolith, just like the black community is not a monolith. None of these communities are. I mean, for that matter, the LGBTQIA community is not a monolith either. So, I mean, we've got to get away from lumping people into one group like it's just one group. 
you know. So that those kinds of efforts were critical. Stacey Abrams' work, we've I've talked ad infinitum about that. To the point now you've got some Republican group. Oh my god, they're scared of Stacey Abrams. Stop Stacey. Oh. That's the kind of garbage now that the Republicans are up to. But let me tell you, they are up to something, right? They are up to something, right? As much as I can sit here and tell you or say to you, dear listener, that the Republicans are reprehensible and that the system that produces them is similarly reprehensible. They are out there doing something. Their thing is to stop Stacey Abrams because it's clear in my mind she is going to run for governor of Georgia. And don't forget that Senator Warnock is only serving out the final year or so of the term of Johnny Isaacson. People forget he is not elected to a six-year term. This is a one-year-plus-term, and he's got to run again for re-election for his own six-year term next year, 2020. So we've got to start thinking about that now and start acting now. That is what we have to do. The people of Georgia, but the people around the country are going to have to act and it's going to have to start happening now. There is really no rest for the weary, for the brave, for the strong, for the tenacious. And there's definitely no rest for the wicked because the wicked are acting. They're already telling you, stop Stacy. Oh, stop Stacy. They are hard at work. They are hard at work. And that's why I say we've got to start doing what we can do in our way, right? We have to, all of us, you, me, all of us. So that's why I ask you, have you contacted the Republican senators? Have you contacted them and asked them and said to them and said to them and demanded with respect, you don't want to be rude and you don't want to be cursing at them now. I've said that when you call them at 202-225-3121, You want to make it very clear how you feel, but you don't need to be calling them scumbags. I mean, regardless of what you hear me say about the Republicans and regardless of what you know about the Republicans and who they really are and what they are, when you're calling them, make it clear how you feel, but you don't need to call them scumbags. Now, when you hang up the phone, then I'm sure that choice words can be used. But while you are talking to these folks or leaving messages with them, please don't use that language. I don't think you would because that's not the kind of listener I I have. I don't think I do. And I have an intuitive feeling. I guarantee you when Speaker Pelosi speaks to these Republicans, she's not using F this and F that. Now, she might say that privately, but I guarantee you she is not saying that publicly to them in these meetings. I, maybe, you know, who knows? 
I mean, again, Speaker Pelosi was praying for individual one as recently as a few weeks ago, just prior to this terrorist attack. Uh, I mean, uh, she's, and I've spoken about faith earlier, but she's a devout Catholic. She is devoutly in her faith. And some of you listening may not be people who are uh, devout in faith. Some of you listening may be atheists. Some of you listening may be deeply religious. Some of you listening may be agnostic. Some of you listening may be the, the, you know, believe in theology and believe in a, a deity. Some, you know, there's many different kinds of listener that, uh, that is out there and that may be listening to me at this moment. What I'm saying is, is that Speaker Pelosi, who prayed openly, I mean, she openly in public is praying for, called praying for individual one, who's a, you know, he's a genocider. This guy let well over, you know, nearly 400,000 at the time, nearly 400,000 people die. Lying to them. That's, that's, you know, again, I've said this before, if, if someone has HIV and they lie about their status and then they have sex with someone who is believing that, oh yeah, they're fine. And even if they're taking the precautions that you, that you take when you have sex or don't take, it depends on who you are. I mean, if you're with your partner and you know them and you've been tested together, then that's a different story. But if you haven't and you don't know the person you're having sex with, right? And you take the precaution, but then you come down with HIV, God forbid, you know? And, and again, if people have HIV, I do wish you all, um, to those out there who might be listening, who might have it, um, all the very best. But I, when I say God forbid, I mean the horror of someone lying to you. And then you find out you have it because someone lied and you took the steps you had to take, but you still came down with this virus. I mean, that's, and then you die, God forbid you die, right? Then that's murder, right? And people have been charged with murder in situations like that. So there's no doubt individual one should be charged. And listen, this trial happens next week and we have to put the pressure on now. I mean, if you've got Republican groups talking about stop Stacey Abrams, are you kidding Stacey Abrams almost single-handedly got these two Georgia senators in and not to mention a President Biden to begin with and black voters. I mean, come on, if it's not for, for black folk voting, you would still be under a regime of terror and you would still have this orange menace terrorizing you. Because as I've said, again, for two straight elections, the majority of white people who voted, voted for Donald Trump. Yes, I mentioned his name. I was trying to go a whole episode without mentioning him, or at least a whole three without mentioning him. But I broke that, I guess, today. Um, but anyway, the point I'm making is that you're always going to have at least 50% of white people voting for these Republicans. It's happened now for the last 60 years. There's been one or two exceptions. I think 1992, um, Bill Clinton got in with a majority of white people voting for him. More white people voting for him than not voting for him. But these last two election cycles in the general election, that did not happen. Didn't happen at all. 
more white people voted for Donald Trump than didn't vote for him. So that is where we are. Thankfully, 81 million people plus voted for Joe Biden of all groups, but most of them, the largest percentage were coming from the black community and then the Latinx community, communities. So Joe Biden, President Biden has a lot to thank, especially black people for, who have consistently lined up behind him through the primaries and in the general. And because of black women like Latosha Brown, like Stacey Abrams and numerous others and Black Voters Matter and Fair Fight Action and all of these groups out here. And then Chuck Roach's group, New Astro PAC and Voto Latina, Maria, Maria Teresa Kumar and a number of other people, a countless groups, native activists who were out there trying to get the vote out in Nevada and Arizona and, and hey, presto. This is in a pandemic. These are the groups that suffered the most and yet they were the ones that put their lives on the line and came out and voted and voted early. And, and they're going to go out there again. And I'm telling you, do not sleep on 2022, folks. This stuff about Marjorie Taylor Greene and all that, yes, she needs to be out of Congress. And all of these people do. All 147 of them, or however many it is now, have lost count including Josh Hawley and Tom, and Tom, yeah, Ted Cruz, and all of these other sycophantic, treasonous people that a system enabled. They all need to go. Ginny Thomas needs to be uh, looked at seriously for an investigation and prosecution. And if the Justice Department, you know, whenever the Senate decides to get Merrick Garland a hearing. And will, will, this, will this guy ever get a hearing? I mean, he didn't get one in 2016, and now there's a Democratic majority, and he hasn't had his hearing yet. It's only the Justice Department. I mean, my God, God forbid. I mean, Lord knows there's enough injustice out here that the Justice Department needs to act upon and act against and look at and prosecute. Oh, but, you know, he, Merrick Garland, you know, when, when, when will he get a hearing? I mean, this is just absolutely insane. But that's the system. The system that delays the vaccine coming to your neighborhood. But some rich person who is got, you know, rich person whose kids are under 65, they're getting vaccinated. Some rich person whose kid or someone they know has it in with someone in a powerful position, they're getting the vaccine. And they're 40. And they're 50. And they're 55. They're not even 60 years old. But they're getting the vaccine. You've got countries, you know, 10% of the populations are getting vaccinated. The other 90% aren't. Spoke about this with Dr. Cindy Duke. In, in December of last year. That's why there's this vaccine movement, the People's Vaccine Alliance movement that I've been talking about, that Dr. Duke talked about back in December. So there's a lot that needs to be done. We need to get going. And 2022, I'm telling you, these Republicans are already gaming out 2022. You don't think all this is about drumming up a base of support? Oh, we're going to bring our guns in. 
that's tapping into this very deep primal obsession that a bloodthirsty country has with guns. That's what that's tapping into. These folks are tapping into a systemic thing, a cultural thing that runs deep. So that is something that Democrats have got to counteract with something that is life-affirming. And how are you going to do it? How are the Democrats going to do this? They can do it, but how? What's the messaging going to be? Because 2022 is only 11 months away. And we've got to start thinking about how we're going to message all of this. And to the Senate Democrats and the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, and to the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, and to all the other Democrats, and the DNC, Jamie Harrison, you are now the leader of that organization. How are you going to deal with this? And with all respect to, to, to Mr. Harrison, who, who got throttled at the uh, Senate race, and I think there was chicanery going on there. This is the same Lindsey Graham who called, can we, have we forgotten that he called the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger? No, no hero to voting rights is Mr. Raffensperger. But have we forgotten that Senator Graham actually called him in December or late November of last year and was bullying him? Oh, we've got to look into these results. We have to do this. We have to do that. Come on. Trump was not the first person to call Raffensperger. Lindsey Graham did that weeks before. We have such short memories. We have shut... Well, you know what? I'm going to play this quote for you. I want you to listen to this. Just like a person can't function well without a long-term memory, a society, a government, a people cannot function well without a long-term memory. Because if you're an individual and you don't have a long-term memory and you're an adult, you're probably going to lose your freedom. If you are an individual without a long-term memory, if you are an adult, you are probably going to lose your freedom. That was a quote from an archivist at the, I guess the South, in South Carolina, I forget where, whether it was Columbus or wherever it might've been in South Carolina. There's an archivist um, place there for history. And this gentleman, and I wish I remembered his name, white guy, was saying, was, you heard the voice, you, you heard him say it. If we have not got a long memory, we are doomed. I'm going to just put the, the real on this, R-E-A-L on this. I'm going to bring you the real, right? The R-E-A-L of this is if we do not have a long memory or a long-term memory, we are going to lose our freedom, this is why it's important to talk about history. This is why it's important to talk about dates in history. To talk about these things. So that you remember. So that you avoid repeating the dreadful mistakes and the very real atrocities of history. And a people who do not have a long memory. A people who forget. Who forget that a Lindsey Graham called Secretary of State of Georgia, 
Brad Raffensperger, who forget that just a month ago this attack happened. And I hope you can't forget that because you shouldn't. On the U.S. Capitol, are people who forgets these kinds of things? That group of people is doomed. And as I said a few weeks ago, when I did that podcast episode about white America being in big doo-doo trouble, this is what I'm talking about. What you just heard from that voice, that archivist in the deep South, South Carolina, is what I was talking about a few weeks ago. Your short memory is going to doom you if you do not act and you cease to remember what happened two minutes ago. And here I am saying that having, you know, my own occasional bouts, not remembering if I said something, you know. But I'm talking about, this isn't about me. This is about the collective consciousness. This is about us. This is about Americans. This is about all of us. This is especially, though, about white Americans. If you forget, if you have this short memory, as we do, as you do, as we all do to an extent, but as you do. You're going to lose your freedom, whatever quote unquote freedom you think you have as a white person in particular. Black folk know this already. Because we, we are in this position. We've been in that position for centuries now. And we understand it. and We're living it daily. But if you as a white person, and this is to white people listening, if you do not remember or you care not to remember or you just don't give a rats or your memory is really short on these things, your freedom, whatever freedom the system has vaunted to you, your privilege has vaunted to you, is going to be gone just like it is for the rest of us. As they say out there, whoever they are, freedom ain't free. Oh, no. Freedom ain't free. And it can be gone in an instant. That's better. An instant. It's very fragile. All this so-called democracy is very fragile. And I agree with uh, people like Timothy Snyder, the professor in Vienna, who wrote the great book On Tyranny. He's written other books like Our Malady, um, important book, and another, and, and numerous other books. But as he said, and as I say, and as others have said, the institutions didn't hold democracy. It was the people who did that. It was the people who did that. Right? I mean, he's written stuff in the Washington Post and the Atlantic, I think, and others. He's talked about this, and others have. It's not only him. You know, Ruth Ben Giat's talked about this. I've had her on this podcast on a couple of occasions. You have to vote. You have to be invested, is the point I'm making. And we can do this. It doesn't have to be about MTG, you know, Margaret Taylor Green. It doesn't have to be about her. But it does have to be about us and challenging this system. And I'm telling you, we have to get do something to get rid of the system. Because it is not working for everybody. It's only working for 1% of the population. How is that a system that works for everybody? 
unless everybody is the 1% of the population. I don't care how many times Jeff Bezos steps down from Amazon. That is the least of this. We are all, it seems, some of us are, not all of us, some of us are obsessed with the personality. The one person. That's what the media grooms you for. So that the system isn't the thing that you have to aim at or look at. You're looking at Marjorie Taylor Greene over there. You're looking at this one over here. Josh Hawley over there. Ted Cruz over there. But you're not looking at the Republican Party overall. You're not looking at the thing that produced the Republican Party, the political structure that put that in place. You're not looking at that. The consecration of whiteness and white dominance. You're not looking at some of you are. But people in general, not looking at it. We're looking at a personality. We're looking at the flavor of the month. We're looking at vanilla here, vanilla there, vanilla ice. That's what we're looking at. But we're not looking at the system that is doing this, that allows these people to pollute, to intimidate, to be violent, to abuse other Congress people to allow them to bring these guns into the Capitol building in the first place where people were killed four Wednesdays ago. (laughs) It's the system, stupid. It's the system. We have to strategize. We cannot sit back. And that's the thing about this. This is a perpetual fight. This is not just, oh, Biden and Harris are in, we go home. No. This stuff also pertains to the local level. It pertains to the state level. Those are the very important entities. All politics are local. And that's what you also got to look at as well. We got lots of work to do. Because I'm telling you, the devil, the devil works overtime. And the devil is getting paid. We got work to do, folks. 2022. If you want to run for something, whether it's locally or state or federal, do it. Now is the time to plan. You've got all of these wretched people in Congress bringing guns in. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? What are we going to do? Are we going to run for Congress? Are we going to run for something local? Assembly? Dog catcher? School board person. It can be done. We've got to start thinking about these kinds of things. Ultimately. These people do not just come out of nowhere. Study these folks. Study these Marjorie Taylor Greens. If you want to. They don't just come out of nowhere. There is a system that has produced these people for decades. Do people remember Lester Maddox? Do people remember him? Google him. And the axe handles. Google that guy. Or search engine that guy. I don't want to plug Google. But search engine that guy. And you learn about who Lester Maddox was. This stuff is not new. That's my point as well. None of this is new. And people back in the day sacrificed for us to even be here. 
can we at least honor them? Honor the Heather Hires, honor the Viola Luizos, the James Reeves, the Jimmy Lee Jacksons, the Andrew Goodmans, the James Cheneys, the Michael Schwerners, the Summer Taylors, the Brian Sicknicks, the Sandra Blands, and so many more. Can we honor these people by at least getting involved in the political process and really having a game plan and vow that we're going to check our voter registration and tell people we know to vote? And let's start educating people now in 2021 so that when 2022 comes along, it's not about re-educating people again, except for maybe the voting wrinkles. We have got to be in this mindset now. We've got a coronavirus. There's a package that is being debated, this $1.9 trillion package. That's got to get done. The debates are happening on the Senate floor. That's got to get done. And you need to call your senators about that too. You need to push all of these people. All of them. Take 10 minutes out of your day. 10 minutes. Call 202-225-3121. Or 202-224-3121. That's the congressional switchboard in Washington, D.C. You name your House of Representatives. You name your senator. You name whoever. You can go to Senate.gov. Look at all these Republican senators. Call them. Call them. Give the name of one of them. Because they only put through one call at a time. Give that switchboard operator the name of the senator. And yeah, maybe they'll ask you once you get through to the senator themselves. Oh, well, you know what? What area do you come from? It depends on who you get and and who you're calling and where you're calling. But the point is, you've got to get involved. Please. It doesn't have to be you marching. It doesn't have to be you making picket signs or placards. The Women's March, I think, is coming. It should be. Um, If it hasn't already happened, it probably did happen. I think it did and I just didn't. God, I normally attend these things. I normally attend that march every year. But, you know, again, COVID-19, so there probably really wasn't a women's march, right? Was there, you know, for obvious reasons. So there we go. That's probably why I don't remember it happening. But the point is, we've got to get involved in some way, shape or form. If you've got children and if you haven't talked to them about this kind of thing in terms of it depends on how old they are, of course, but you've got to start doing this. You know, this world is changing rapidly. And not all for the better either. You've got all this technology that's favoring, obviously, people who can afford it. Those who can't, you know, it's a, it's basically a proverbial F you to them. You know, there's so much that we have got to get on top of and strategize for 2022. Because as far as I'm concerned, 2021 is, is done. It's done. We did the strategizing for 2021 with these two Georgia Senate races and with Joe Biden getting in. That's the, that is the 2021. I mean, there's other things, obviously. Um, the agenda that we need to keep pushing locally, state and federal. I get that. Yes, I'm the one that's saying that we should do this and so are many others. But 2021 is done. I'm telling you, as far as the Republicans are concerned, it's done. All they're going to do is do what they always do. Lie, make false equivalences and throw in, you know, a Democratic congresswoman like Elon Omar and try to make some kind of equivalency out of that, which is complete garbage. I want you to stand up for 
Representative Elon Omar and send her your good wishes on Twitter at Elon MN. That's I H L. Excuse me, I L H. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm getting the name wrong. And I follow her and she follows me. She would not be pleased. It's I L H A N. M as in Mike, N as in Norris. That's her Twitter handle. It's one of her Twitter handles. Support her. This is what you do. And I'm, I goes for any of these Democratic politicians who do the right thing. And even if there are some Republicans that do, you need to tell them when they're doing the right thing. I mean, I don't want to, again, make this a big overture because this is what people are supposed to do. That's what they're there for. At your behest, you voted them in. So you've got to tell them when they're doing the right thing, support them and say thank you. Yes. When they're not, you need to let them hear you. And even before they do or don't do the thing you want them to do, you need to be advocating. You need to be calling them, tweeting them. And I want you to tweet your support for Elon Omar. Please. Please. I'm going to put a link into her um, Twitter account as well. Because this is just garbage. I mean, again, but this is the Republican strategy. They're going to be doing this. They're going to try to, they want the filibuster, oh, the filibuster, you know, all this stuff. And Democrats, stop being so nice to these people. Stop being so nice. That's the last thing I want to say. The ruthlessness that the Republicans under Mitch McConnell, when he was the majority leader just a few minutes ago, it seemed. And he was doing this. He was ramming through Supreme Court picks, giving them a hearing, rushing them through the dead of night, da 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 da. Offering you a half. Isn't that how insulting this is? Offering you a half trillion dollar bill, $500 billion relief package, really? And he knew it would fail. We have got to get better at this. The messaging, the lot. The voters are doing what they're doing. They're getting better because they're voting. And also, black folk are out there voting in numbers. Black women, the black groups are doing this. The, the black organizations out there are just going hell, hell bent for leather, as are Latino organizations. And some of the native groups, too, going hell bent. The youth going hell bent. What are you doing, Democratic Party, for messaging? Are you going to pull that line about, oh, we can't do defund the police because it's bad? Are you doing that after the people who brought you into the dance were some of the people who supported defunding police? And we're going to get into these stupid conversations. Oh, well, defund the police is not the right term. And I, look, damn it. I tell you what is the right term is Black Lives Matter. And not only the Black Lives Matter. Black lives are being taken out here. By police. So the, this phony discussion about, oh well, the, oh, well, defund the police. I don't know if that's the right term. Shut the you-know-what. Come on. Let's get real here. Start messaging with something instead of messaging, oh, defund the police. Start messaging for the people, not for your pocket, not for your donors. Stop with the corporate garbage. And let's stand for the people who put you where you are. You can have a million donors donate you a gazillion dollars. But if you don't have the votes, baby, you ain't shit. 
It's time for you to listen to the people that brought you to the dance. President Biden is going to soon realize this, and I think he already knows it. But we can't let the heat down, and we can't let it down when it comes to these local state governments either. It's time to act, and let's act right now. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.